welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life, but open to all to enjoy and share. My name is Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You, through interviews with various experts and professionals on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, love, and health. This podcast is committed to empowering and spreading knowledge and motivation to all. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hello, hello, everyone. I hope you all are doing well. Uh, It's been such an amazing and incredible week. Just got done helping produce and perform in The Magic of Christmas. It's a huge holiday show in La Mirada, Southern California, produced by the nonprofit organization called The Young Americans. You should check them out when you get a chance. Um, But it is just, it's been awesome. I hope you guys are doing well. We have just a few days left before Christmas. Today, we have an amazing episode for you, and I cannot wait to uh, jump into things. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Erica Goodstone, and she is an expert on love, marriage, and relationships. I have some questions that I think you guys are really going to benefit from that have to do with love, marriage, and you know what, what is the key to it, and what's the best secret to it, and I'm just really excited to jump in, so let me just give you a little bit more information. Dr. Erica Goodstone is an experienced, licensed, and nationally credentialed psychotherapist, board-certified sex therapist, marriage, and relationship counselor. She has been a part of a number of TV and radio appearances, and she has presented theories, research, and body psychotherapy methods at many national and international conventions and conferences. She is amazing. She has written a number of articles, has been a part of a number of interviews and citations in national magazines, including Mademoiselle and Penthouse Forum. And today she's going to talk with us about the key to love and marriage. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Hello, Dr. Erica. Thank you so much for doing this and joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm actually very excited to talk with you about love and marriage and, you know, the secrets that we can all implement in our life. Can you tell us about yourself and what you do professionally? Well, I'm a licensed mental health counselor and a body-oriented psychotherapist. I've combined traditional counseling with a type of mind-body therapy that I learned from my mentor and teacher, Alana Rubenfeld, many, many years ago about what happens in our body. It's a way to access emotions and feelings and deep-seated memories from our body. It's not quite the same as just sitting and talking. When you lie on a table or just focus on your body, you become aware of different feelings that you may not have been aware of. And I've done this with couples where one person is on the table and I'm holding the person's head and their partner is holding their feet. And I'm helping them to let go of places in their body that are tense. And at the same time, the person's talking and I'm dialoguing because that's what the work is about. And the partner gets to see for the first time the real meaning of why this person responded with anger or hurt or whatever because they finally see it and there's real intimacy that develops and sometimes the partner kisses their feet or their forehead it's just beautiful so that's the type of work that I do and I've been studying 
from many, many different perspectives. I was a professor of health and physical education. I taught yoga and human sexuality and meditation and jogging and traditional sports like tennis. And I've even taught some different dance classes. So I have an eclectic background in physical activity and mind-body therapy. I've received all kinds of body therapy treatments myself. So that is just one area. The other aspect is the spiritual part. I've been on a spiritual journey for many, many years, starting in the 1970s when I saw Ravi Shankar playing the sitar and I had been meditating at the Shivananda Ashram for in Paradise Island for about two weeks and I had a cosmic consciousness experience which led me on a quest for many years. So I've brought a lot of that together in my 30-day love challenge. Wow, very interesting. Can I ask you, just because I'm not as knowledgeable, is your method common? Because I don't hear much about it. What's interesting is that I was on the first, I was at the very first conference which brought together body therapists and mental health counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists, a whole group was brought together and we formed the U.S. Association for Body Psychotherapy. And there was an organization in Europe for several years before that. So I thought it was going to grow so large, but it's still not that well known. I guess these things take a long time. There are people out there around the world doing amazing work, and yet it's still not mainstream. Right. It's not not that easy to locate. Right. It sounds fascinating, though, but like you said, I, I haven't heard much about it, so that's why I was wondering if I'm just in the dark or if it really hasn't just hit its peak yet. I think the time has come. There's an echo right now. Absolutely. Well, you talk about a number of things, um, but I would love to focus on one for this episode. We could probably do about 15 episodes together. <laughs> but today I wanted to talk a little bit more about marriage. And it's really tough. And it's an, it's a huge issue that's not only happening nationally, but you know globally that people, it's a tough thing. And I have a lot of people around me right now that are struggling with marriage, myself included. And I just kind of wanted to know, like, what, what can you... What can you tell us? What's the most difficult thing about it, and how do we overcome that? So what I'm seeing, I looked up, when you told me you wanted to talk about marriage, I was looking online to see, you know, what are people saying about this? You know, uh, how do you know when you want to leave a marriage? And they're giving such simple answers, like if someone is abusive and if you're not communicating well, and I, I don't remember... But it is not simple like that, because when you meet someone at the beginning, it's if you find that person attractive and you both find each other attractive, it's magical. Your hormones are flooding, both of you, and you forgive all kinds of things, and you, you have a dream about who the other person is and how they're going to make you happy and what you're going to do for each other. But then you get into the relationship, and just living together can bring out a lot of this, but getting married and making that commitment and the families being involved, it changes something. And all of a sudden, whatever fears you had start to come up and then 
you're living day to day and you might have financial problems, someone can get sick, someone is highly sexual and the other one starts feeling less sexual. There's so many things that come up in a relationship. So what I think is really important is not to be so quick to negate this relationship. It's, that's where counseling comes in. Some people think, I don't want to go to counseling because I don't need that, and it means I'm weak, or it means um, I have a psychological problem. But the purpose for going for some kind of counseling is to get clarity about yourself, your own background, your family, your needs, how this person fits into your dreams for your life or your goals. It's complicated, and what marriage does is it brings two people together and then they become a mirror for each other. So you might be a really sweet person and you act so sweet and kind with everybody and your partner's this raging, angry person. Well, a lot of times what's happening is underneath you've got a lot of anger but you've never expressed it. And they're feeling that angry energy. They don't understand it and it makes them respond to you and it's going back and forth. So the best thing you could do is to really not run away from it, but really face it and face it together if you can. And if your partner's not willing, then go by yourself for counseling, body therapy, body-oriented psychotherapy, coaching, something that will get you clear about who you are, who the other person is, and what marriage and relationships are all about. So when do you know when it's, uh, I guess, when do you know when it's time to walk away then? You know, I was in a similar situation and, you know, I, I feel like I tried for as much as I can, but then you just kind of hit a point where you're, where you feel like you're doing it alone. So when do you, when do you know when to quit? When do you know when to stay? What's the balance there? It's a tricky thing because it also depends on who you've chosen, what your prior relationships were like. Like, if you chose a rock star or a movie star and they love you in the moment and they're traveling and they're busy, you can get rid of that person or you can say, this is the person that I've chosen and I love and you work on yourself to get stronger and stronger to cope with who they are and how they're not going to be this ideal, but it's what you love. So this is where it's tricky because you... There are people married to an alcoholic or drug addict that don't leave, that stay by them in spite of their having relapses, and there are other people that walk away. And sometimes the one who stays helps the other person to finally overcome it and be okay and able to function. So yourself, and that's why it requires some kind of outside support, like getting support from friends and family. Sometimes family and friends are not able to be supportive because they look at how you're being hurt right now and all they want is for you to feel better so they tell you to get rid of the person. But they may not know that your deep need is to heal something in you that that person is helping you to heal, as bad as it might look. But I would say if you really want some clues about when to leave or at least to separate and maybe then work on issues if you don't want to really completely split up. One thing is if you're being physically abused. That's like a no-brainer. I mean, 
you can die, so that there's no point to that. It's better to get out of it and be safe. Right. Uh, but also if someone is financially abusing you, if they're, you're working, it happens to women that are successful, the guy you know, is taking their money, and it happens both ways. Women do that too. So if, if you see that, that your money is being taken and you know it being abused in some way, another sign is like your partner flirts openly with people and always tells you you're nothing, you're not attractive, and you're feeling like absolutely nothing because they're seeing you that way. That could be a sign that it may be something that you can't improve especially if they start cheating. And if they're cheating regularly, then, you know, you don't have much to work with because you're not just the two of you. Right. Uh, there's more. If someone is really excessively manipulative where you can't do anything, they control who you speak to, they pull you away from your family, from your friends, they're isolating you. Those are signs that it's not safe in the relationship. You can't be yourself. But if it's ordinary stresses, even a lot of anger, even a lot of insulting and yelling, I mean, it depends on someone's culture, how they behave in a relationship. So you can't say, if someone says nasty things to me, I'm getting rid of this person. Sometimes that's a person's style from childhood, and it's very hard to change that. They can learn over time, but and you can teach them over time. If there's enough love and there's enough willingness on both parts. And another thing is if there's just no sexual relationship and you want it. Sometimes both people don't care, but if you really want it and there's no sexual relationship, then that's a sign maybe um, it's never going to work out. Very interesting. Would you say that... So then my question would be, how do they... I guess, determine that love. Like, you, I know, I understand what you're saying about the physical and the money, but what if people are in a marriage and they don't feel that that love is coming from the, from the other person and there's no change there? Do they just have to learn how to love each other or? Uh, when you feel like there's no love coming from another person and you're giving all this love, you may not be giving all this love. You may be giving it in your way but it may not be the way the other person needs to receive it. So that's why it always comes back to you to go get your own counseling, stop needing so much from the other person and love them. It's like if you have a child, you love that child. They don't have to do exactly what you want and you love them anyway because it's a little infant, innocent being. So if you can love the other person whether or not they're responding lovingly. And loving a person is not always just giving them money and just saying okay and just giving them things. Sometimes it's saying no and insisting on your own rights. Loving yourself can be loving another person because that's teaching them a boundary. You're not loving them if you're like a doormat and you're giving in to everything. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those that are in the worst, worst case scenario, and let's say they, for some, whatever reason it is, have to move on. What's the best way to, I mean, I don't know if there's a best way, but how do they overcome that, that devastating and that emotional body that can really take a toll on them when they're going through divorce? Uh, 
I would say a very important thing is to plan, to plan the divorce before it happens, plan what you're going to do financially. I mean, if you're in danger because someone's physically abusive, then you just have to get out of there and, and plan from there. Right. But, but one thing is to plan it, not to suddenly do it, but to make a plan so that you see you want to be financially okay so that you can exist. Right. You know, be able to have an apartment or whatever or stay at somebody's house and to connect with people who can support you, a social worker, a therapist, friends, family, clergy, whoever will be support for you as you go through the process. And it's not always the people you think are going to support you. Sometimes your family and your friends are not the ones that are supporting you. 100%. Yep. First of all, one of the things I have a friend who works with coercive and abusive co-parenting. So she has seen, and it's mostly men, but there are many women who do this too. The one who's manipulative and coercive and abusive doesn't show that side to the friends and family and makes this person look like they're crazy or like it's all the other person. So that's why sometimes your friends and family don't really understand the extent of what you're dealing with. So you need to find whatever support you can find to help you. And then when you're out of the relationship and living on your own, then you can join a support group. And another important thing to do during the whole process is to read books and watch movies and attend lectures, whatever you can do, lectures, workshops, whatever you can do to understand what you're feeling, what's a normal way to feel, because you may feel like, what's happening to me? I wanted to leave this person, and yet I'm so depressed and I'm crying and I'm missing him or her. But if you understand that that's a normal feeling, if you've been together, if you've been living with someone, interconnected, loving them, you've lost the dream, you've lost the connection, your friends and the whole network that you've been involved with is going to change. So you have to have time to grieve that. And you're going to grieve. But you have to be prepared that that is what you're going to go through. And that's why you need support. Can I ask you, what at what point in, in the relationship um, does it become okay, a need to maybe make it work. Like if there's things that are happening, you know, within two, three weeks of the marriage, is that a bad sign? And then, okay, maybe it's just not the right person or does it not really matter? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I feel from what I've seen that we know a lot about a person before we get married, but you think, oh, he's going to be better or she's going to be better. And, you know, they'll, once I show them how much I love them, it's going to be better. And a lot of times, right at the beginning, you really see it for what it is. Because before getting married, you're wanting to win the person over. You want to make sure that, that they love you and that they'll marry you. And then they agree to marry you or to move in with you or whatever it is that you want or to say, I love you. But then once you have that, that's when, and you feel a little more secure, then you might be able to really see 
what who am I married to? But it works in more ways than one. It can also be that it is the right person, you know, but you saw all the wonderful side of them and now you're seeing some of the other side, some of their weaknesses or fears or flaws. So I wouldn't advise, unless again, unless it's a physical abuse, I wouldn't advise running out of the relationship just because you see some things right at the beginning. I would advise counseling to really get yourself clear. Wow. Very interesting. My mind is going crazy over here. <laughs> so can you, um, I, I just got done reading one of your books on Amazon, um, the first, The Love Part One. Can, yeah. you, can, you, can you talk to us a little bit about the nine love secrets that you, that you have? Well, it, I've been talking a little bit about this, but the most important thing you can do to create loving relationships is to know yourself, love yourself, appreciate yourself, but really know, if I know what kinds of things hurt me and what kinds of things make me feel good about myself, and if I just know that and I know what I really want in my life and what lifestyle I want, then when I'm with another person, even if that person is sexy, is handsome, he, he looks like just the type, I won't be so quick to plan my life with him forever. If you're really attracted to someone, you can go and have a, a short-term relationship, but understand what you want for your future. And don't linger too long with someone just because of convenience and another person's there and it'll get better when it doesn't really fit with your lifestyle or future. So that's just one thing, is to know yourself. The second thing is to know the other person. Stop having the illusion of what you would like them to be and how you think they'll change to suit your needs. It happens so much. Women do it more than men. Women choose a man that they see has potential and then they keep wanting him to be something that he's not. And of course, if you try to convince someone to be something that they're not, they're going to resist. Nobody wants to be changed. Everyone wants to be loved for who they are. And the other side of it is that men tend to choose women that they love a certain way, and they don't want her to change. They don't want her to become something different than she was at the beginning. But you have to understand when you're in a relationship, you are going to change. Because if what you needed at the beginning was love and a sense of security, once you have that, then your full personality is going to come out. So you have to allow each other room to grow. So you, you have to know yourself and the other person. That's the first two. Then you have to know your past. You have to know what your upbringing was like, what your prior relationships were like, what the messages were, your religious background, your cultural background. There's so much to know about yourself from your own past, and you need to know that about the other person. And then you also need to know what you want for your future. So all of that alone is just so important rather than ignoring it and saying, well, the past happened, it's over. I don't need to know about that. So those are the first four. And then what my book is about, that that I have in, in a course called The Healing Through Love Seminars. Yes. But, 
But then my books are all about the next five items. And so the fifth one is knowing about love. We don't understand love. And it takes a lot of letting go of judgments and patterns and insecurities. It takes a lot to love, to love in a way that's freeing for yourself and for the other person. So really understanding love and understanding the way the world works and what the marketplace is like and how you fit into it. Like you might find a wonderful guy and you feel like I'm beautiful, but you have to understand how many other beautiful women does this guy come in contact with? So what makes you special? What do you have to offer? I mean, you have to understand all of that. And if this person doesn't find you the most valuable, you have to love yourself no matter how that person feels. And that sense of self-love and confidence can be the thing that makes you stand out from all the others. So really understanding love and how it works and what makes it develop, what makes it uh, fall apart or be blocked. Another important thing to know which is the next item is how you heal, what it takes to heal from a hurt, from uh, a letdown, from a broken relationship, from anything. If you find out that someone had an affair, what does it take for you to heal? Like in relationships, that is not always the end, but it depends on what, what happens after that and how you both heal. So that's an important thing to understand. And then touch. There is a certain gene that can only be turned on through touch. So through touch, we can reach each other. Through gentle, caring touch, another person's heart can open up. They can feel more love. So learning different kinds of touch and and what effect touch has and the way you're receiving touch, how does that feel? And then using all of your senses and feeling sexually alive. That's a whole other aspect because I always feel that our sexual expression is an expression of who we are. And when we repress it and suppress it, we're not being authentic and the other person feels it. So that goes back and forth. And then the final one is having a relationship with with. God, a higher power, being in flow with the energies of the universe and how the energies work. And that's where the law of attraction comes in and understanding that, that understanding your own level of awareness, which energetic center, which chakra are you operating from? And another way to look at it is which meridian is being triggered I mean, I've studied so many of these different systems coming from Chinese medicine and Indian Hindu philosophy and Ayurveda. Wow. So much information, so much great information. Um, I don't even... (laughs) Like I said, my mind is like, woo, going all over the place. Um, So, So what can people do with all of this? Um, See, I've been making it my life's work to study this. So if you haven't been studying this, say you've been studying law, you went to law school, you know about law, 
So I don't assume that I know about law. If I have a legal problem, whatever it is, I'm going to turn to an attorney. I'm not going to try to do it all myself because I don't even understand how the courts work or any of that. So it's the same with love, but people don't realize that it's the same. So they think I can do it myself. I don't need to go talk to anybody, but maybe you do. And maybe talking to somebody could transform your life because you could shift in your attitude and understand what you didn't understand before. Yeah, absolutely. I find, and I don't know if this is something that you deal with, you know, on a common basis, but I find that when the other person is not engaged or not wanting to get help per se, or not wanting to change, the other person normally takes it as a, like, okay, they don't love me. They must not love me enough if they don't want to go with me to marriage counseling. They must not love me enough if they don't want to fix the things that are bothering me. How, like, and I'm sure that causes a lot of tension. Is this something that you come across often? Absolutely. And it isn't that they don't love you enough. It's very scary, particularly for men. They, many of them have enough trouble sharing emotions and understanding their feelings and then you want them to come into counseling and they feel as though the therapist is going to join with you and attack them and criticize them and then they're going to have to change more but they're already feeling like they don't understand why you're bothered by all this and they're afraid especially if they've had some kind of trauma the last thing they want is to bring it to the surface and fall apart in front of you and appear weak. I mean, there's so much that goes on. So it's normal for someone to resist. So when you're in a relationship, okay, so for people that are listening, if they have a spouse that is like that, what's the best way to help them, or can we not? Can we only work on ourselves? Well, I have personal experience with that. When I was first married, my husband did come one time we had one session with a marriage therapist and she said this marriage can't work he wants a housewife and you want him a man that's more accepting that's what she said to us so we never went back he never came with me to, for counseling again and i have done work on myself continuously and i see that the more that i just stand my own ground say what's true for me and not be afraid and just show that I love him and I'm not leaving. It gets better and better. So I know that you can do it yourself if that person loves you. If they don't love you and they're, they may not be showing love and they may have mixed feelings about it, but if they're not out actively cheating and just destroying the relationship, but they're just being distant and not buying you gifts or whatever the things are that you want and being resistant in a lot of ways, by your going through counseling and spiritual opening up, maybe body therapy opening up to deeper emotions, whatever you can do for yourself, that can help to shift enormously. It takes the pressure off the other person when you're not focused on making them change, but they see you going for counseling, starting to get more confidence. Then they want to know, what are you saying about me? What are you doing? And then they might come for counseling with you, but it'll be their choice. 
Very, very interesting. Very fascinating. Thank you so much. But I, I have some last questions that, I, that I'd love to ask you. What's one thing that you've accomplished that you're extremely proud of that many people might not know about? At this moment, the thing that I'm most proud about is my 30-day love challenge because I have taken so much of the information that I know and the teachings and the trainings and my personal experience and the quotes from amazing people throughout the centuries and throughout the world now. And I have put this into 30 daily lessons. Each day there's a lesson on a different aspect of love, like love and money from Wallace D. Waddle's uh, book about the science of getting rich. Hmm. He talks about money not in terms of going out and competing, but in terms of, I don't know if he uses the word love, but in terms of giving. It comes from within you. You give it out, and then it comes back to you through other people. So just that information about money is a valuable lesson, and one on the brain and what's going on in our brain when we love and when we don't love, and hormones, what's happening with your hormones, and what happens when there's loss or when there's abuse. How do you forgive? What does it take to forgive? Why should you forgive? all of that, plus just so many other aspects of love, loneliness and love, uh, the fact that we are so afraid of being alone because we naturally are all alone. We come into the world alone and we die alone, and we're afraid of that. So sometimes we latch on to another person just to not feel alone. So that's why... These lessons are so valuable because each one opens up another aspect of love for you to start looking at and understanding. Right. Absolutely. And and what's one thing that you, is there anything that you do um, on a daily basis that kind of helps you get a boost or a rise in your life? That's a great question. What, what comes to mind at this point, I mean, I've done other things. I've always liked sports, so I would play tennis regularly, although I haven't played recently. I have to get back to it. But I found through physical activity, it's such a relief. So I, at this point, I go to my health club, and I work out. I do as much as I can. And I look forward to sitting in the jacuzzi and the sauna and the steam. And I have a few friends there that I run into. And we just talk about nothing important, not about business. It's just nice, gentle conversations and relaxing. And for me, that is so healing. But I also trust my body. And if I, a few days ago, I was just really, really tired. So I took a nap. I didn't go to the health club even though I'm trying to work out really consistently. But the next day I got there and I did double the workout. So it's this sense of paying attention to my body, honoring my body, eating as healthy as I can, which sometimes is not so easy. So then I got to the Hippocrates Institute. There's a place right in West Palm Beach in Florida, not far away, where people come from all over the world to heal. And it's right in my backyard. And I go there for lunch, and I haven't for a while, and I finally got back there because it's totally healthy sprouts and just completely organic and healthy that you get 
a boost. It reminds you that I need to take care of my body. So that's the main thing that I've been doing at the moment. And that spiritual perspective when anything happens, to look at it, not in the moment. I mean, in the moment I might be judgmental or angry or critical, but I step back and look at it from a higher perspective. What do I need to learn? What's the message here? And you know, then I feel much calmer. Wow, I love that. I love that. So I, I really enjoyed this conversation today. I, I really have. And it, like I said, it's making me think quite a bit. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that are listening that are probably thinking a, a million and one things as well. Is there any message, last message that you have um, that you'd like to say to our listeners? I would say the most important thing you could do is to trust yourself. Pay attention to your own feelings our gut has millions of nerve cells, so we they call it the second brain, and we feel a lot that we don't pay attention to. You know, so pay attention to those feelings. If you're talking to your partner and you suddenly get a pain in your neck, pay attention to what did that person just say or do, or what was the look in that person's face so that you understand that something came at you unexpectedly and that that's what happens and then speak about it but pay attention to your body love your body and love yourself if someone else is putting you down and you're feeling really inadequate then go get some counseling support somewhere so that you feel good about yourself because each of us is a gift to the world and we have to know that. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Erica. Uh, again, I'd love to have you back in the future, but today was, was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nada. Wonderful talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to stay connected to Dr. Erica Goodstone or you have any additional questions, please reach out to her. You can check her out at her website at www.drericagoodstone.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Dr. Erica. She's amazing. She knows what she's talking about. So please don't hesitate. Reach out to her and get all the information you can from her. Thank you again for joining us today. If you know anybody that would benefit from this episode, please share it with them and help spread the knowledge and the motivation and love, life, relationships, investing, entrepreneurship. These six elements are super important in life and we're here to help women be the best they can be in them. Thank you again for joining us. Check out our webpage at www.riseofyou.com for more information and events that are coming up. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Periscope. Have an amazing day and don't forget to join us on our next episode. We're going to be talking with Ryan Hawk on the qualities of leadership and what it means to be a great leader. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow.